You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 62. And today we're talking about building relationships, not just networks. So stay tuned. I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Super excited to be here with you for another Monday. And today we're chatting about creating and building relationships. This is one of my favorite topics because I think this is the absolute key to building a fantastic business. So today I've invited guest expert Robbie Samuels into the lab and he's the author of Croissants Versus Bagels, which is such an awesome name for a book. And he tells us why he's named it that. It's very, very clever and you'll never walk into a networking event again without thinking of croissants and bagels. Uh, He's going to help you to reframe networking because networking isn't just about collecting business cards. Uh, He's going to help you and give you some tips to be more strategic so that you can make the best use of your time and energy and understand how to offer value even when you're going there to do business, which is why we go to networking events, but start to think about doing that in a different way. So, Without further ado, let's welcome Robbie Samuels into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Robbie. I'm very excited to have you here joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited. Today we're talking about building relationships and I think this is something that's in my genius zone, so I love to talk about it. And I was just chatting with a client earlier today and we were saying that from 2019 on, we believe that building relationships is going to have even more value to it as the world around us is changing and more technology is being implemented. So I think that this is a great topic to talk about. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, you have written a book called Croissants Versus Bagels. Let's start there because this is actually what made me reach out to you because I was like, wow, what a cool name for a book. And I looked into it and I thought, oh, I have to interview this guy. He's like, I just really love the way you think. So what do you tell us about Croissants Versus Bagels? Let's start there. Sure. So the, the full title is Croissants Versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective and Inclusive Networking at Conferences which probably isn't where people thought I was going to go <laughs> with that <laughs> title. So you're at a networking event and the people are all standing around in those tight clusters, those shoulder-to-shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into. Those are all bagels. So if one person on the inside of that circle kind of shifts their body language and makes space for others to join, that visual, that's the croissant. So yeah. the croissant is when there is an opening, when it's more of a U-shape uh, as opposed to a full circle. and I think it works in two ways. One is if you're new to a space, don't go hide in the corner or along the side of the wall as a wallflower. 
go and look for those natural openings and be in the middle of the space. And if you're a regular, then really be mindful of your body language so that you're being more welcoming and inclusive to people who are around you. And so my book weaves in very practical strategies and tactics around networking, but also inclusion is is a through line of all the work that I do because I think it's not enough to invite people. We have to also welcome them once they arrive. And that's a role that I think all of us play. Like anyone who's a regular should be participating in that culture shift because we love this organization. We love this event. We want to make sure it stays strong and sustainable for that to happen. Newcomers have to feel like they're part of something and want to stay connected. What are the tips that you can give us to be able to, I can't even think of the words, not, you know, not infiltrate. That's so not the right word, but, you know, to break into these areas and start opening up conversations with people. Yeah, I think it's about making the most of the opportunity. So I think for one, anytime you leave your house, it's never just for the content because you can get content for the comfort of your home through Mm. webinars and podcasts, you know, YouTube, et cetera. So we can't say, oh, we're going to this conference or this meeting because of the content. Now, the content is a, is a draw. It's part of the reason. Absolutely. But the connections are the reason. The connection, the, the who is being convened because of the topic, that is got, has to be at least equal weight to the content. But most people going in don't actually have as much of a plan around that. And I think, you know, one thing would be to actually think ahead of time about who do you want to meet? What are you hoping to learn? What inspiration are you looking for? And what value can you offer into this space. And that last part will also hopefully get you into a mindset of offering and giving as opposed to I'm in need, I'm in a deficit. Because when we're in a deficit mindset, we tend to think of networking as transaction Mm. and we feel pretty icky about it. But when we are thinking about, oh, I have things I can offer this space. Well, now we're about relational connections, relationship building. And so one way to do this is to actually write your follow-up email uh, as a draft before you go to the event. So like sit down and really think about if you met your ideal person, what would you want to tell them about yourself? And just having that, that sort of canned response or that draft email as a template, it, it gets you in the right frame of mind. And then if you track the business cards that are higher priority to you from the ones that were just sort of handed to you and those bagels, that often <laughs> happens. Someone just starts handing them out like at a poker game. Like, oh, thanks. I have six cards now. And then if you also, before you go to the event, the second thing I would do is I would schedule an hour to do the follow-up when you got back within a couple of days. Because I think most people really miss the opportunity to leverage the connections they do make. And maybe they do a LinkedIn thing or maybe they do one email. I mean, that's great because a lot of people don't even do that. But if it's someone that you really want to stay in touch with, like put something in your calendar for two weeks and four weeks from then so that you're reminded I mean, have a little tickler file to reach out to them, to, to look to see what they're up to, to connect with them on social media, to interact and engage, support them. So I just think like the more you understand your purpose, the more value you'll, you'll be able to offer and extract from that space. Now, most of us don't have to fly halfway around the world <laughs> to do that. But I think, you know, whether you're driving, you know, a few hours flying across the country or flying around the world, like these are best practices for really like making the most of those opportunities. And, you know, part of that is your own body language so that you are sort of mindful about, are you welcoming people? Because that's why you're there. You're there to meet people. 
Totally. And you're spending the currency of time. So even if you are only going 10 minutes down the road, you're still spending the currency of time. So you need a return on investment on that. So, you know, that's really important to keep that in mind. And the biggest takeaway I got from that is actually, you know, doing that follow-up. And, you know, that is so, so important. So apart from going to an event and meeting new people, You mentioned something earlier when we were chatting about the network that we already have. Because I think when people think about networking, you're thinking about meeting new people. But all of us have a network that is already around us, that is established, whether it's on social media or whether, you know, it's some other place, even if it's in your Rolodex. I'm sure some people still have them. (laughs) How do we tap into the network we already have? So I think that you and I actually work with very similar clientele as far as uh, where they are in their sort of business career. So I work with women in my group programs who are, they tend to be like in their 50s, more or less. They're really smart and they've done something brilliant in their life and now they want to amp it up and bring it to the next level. And usually that means they want to create some sort of one-to-many products as opposed to just doing Mm. one-on-one coaching or maybe they've been a speaker for a long time, but they've never had anything to offer their guests, uh, their audience, except for speaking. And so they always get really excited about they're going to, they're going to create this new thing. And for some of them, it starts with a podcast because they want to, you know, create a new brand, but they, they forget in that moment of excitement when they start talking about a new program or podcast that they have this rich 30 year work history of people that they have known and who like them and believe in them and would love to hear from them again. And it's like, they think only about the new people they need to meet in order to be successful in this new endeavor. And they, they have to really like open themselves up to the idea that someone they worked with 15 years ago for five years, you know, so for 20, 20 years ago to 15 years ago, they knew somebody and now they've gone on their separate paths, but that person, you don't know where they are today. And so if you enjoyed a connection with them then, and you would be open to hearing from them, you're like, oh, I would love to hear from them. Then this is a good excuse to reach out and say, I'm, I'm trying something brand new. What's up with you? Like, who knew you, you know, that I'd be doing this now? Like, have you ever listened to podcasts? Like, what are your favorite ones? Like, what are you, what are you doing these days? Like, look them up on social media ahead of time. The clients that have taken me up on that, I, I teach them this idea of it two touch points habit. So they, they actually are asked to schedule two 15 minute appointments in their calendar each week for the duration of the time that we work together, which is a three to six month um, time frame. And by the end of three months, they've now created a habit. So they don't actually keep scheduling it because whenever they see an opportunity to either introduce people or leave a review for someone or write a, write a good comment on someone's blog post or just something like visible high engagement they now are going to do it. And that includes seeing somebody pop up from a blast in the past and saying, you know what, I'm just going to reach out to them. Or it could be, you know, reaching out to a friend that you know, just wrote a book and you didn't even know they were interested in the same topic as you. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's amazing. So I just think like, I, I, this is not scientific, Sam, uh-huh. but I think 80% of the people we need to know, we've already met. You know, I, I think that um, the best example of this is actually a book by David Berkus uh, called Friend of a Friend, where he has mm-hmm. so much scientific data about this, but it's that loose network. Because if you stay connected and you reach back out to that colleague from 15 years ago, and it turns out that they now are friends with someone or working with someone that would be really a great benefit to you 
and you to them, that introduction will be much stronger than if you cold called people on LinkedIn. So I, I see people pitching me all the time, like LinkedIn hacks and I'll find you new leads on LinkedIn. And I'm like, LinkedIn's fantastic for some stuff, but leads should probably be warm and you already have like a huge prospect pool of people that would either be interested in your work or be championing your work, talking it up. So just invite people sort of into your journey. So the homework assignment for this week for my online program is one of the homework assignments is to do a Facebook live on their personal page. Uh-huh. And this is very challenging for them because some of them are doing video on their corporate, you know, fan page, uh-huh. but they recorded ahead of time and make sure it's perfect and it's edited and beautiful. And I'm saying, no, like do a Facebook live, do it on your personal page. It doesn't have to be perfect, quite the opposite. And you just let people in, just let them know what you're doing. You Uh don't know what possibilities come from that. You you know, you're almost just letting folks know, hey, this is is what I'm doing these days. What's going on with you, but in a broadcast way. And the follow-up is always fascinating. Yeah, totally. No, I'm thinking if you're working with women that have been working their expertise for 20 or 30 years, and you're right, they're the kinds of people that I work with too. A lot of the people that they've known on their journey have been in different things. That You know, not many people have done the same thing for 30 years. They've been in different niches. They've been in different industries. How do we reach out to people that that were a raving fan 10 years ago in a completely different area? Like, would you still recommend to reach out and just say, hi, how are you going? How would we actually touch base with those people? I mean, absolutely reach out because who's to say that they're still doing the same thing 10 years yeah. later either? And probably not, right? But, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and isn't that interesting? And wouldn't that, be a, wouldn't that alone be a reason to reach out? I, I, I think what might be hanging... Uh, your, your question sort of hinges on what's the point of this and how do I do it? Well, I think the point is not to get something. The point is connection. Like mm-hmm. it's never a, I'm expecting something in return for having reached out. It's that if you create a habit of reaching out, if you create a habit of supporting other people, if you become known as the kind of person who gives rides to the airport, both literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. then when you need something, someone else is going to help you. And it's honestly, it's often someone you haven't directly supported, but they know you to be the kind of person who's generous, who's abundant. And then they want to help you because they see how much you give back. And so sometimes it's just you reaching out and saying like, hey, how are you? And this is a Susan Rowan is a has written about networking for the last 30 years. So she's really like, um, I think of her as like a godmother in this space. So she uh, calls them, um, hey, hey, well, um, make hay while the sun shines phone yes. calls and hey stands for how are you? <laughs> ah, that's so cool. <laughs> really clever. And I just want to remind everyone listening that the device in their pocket actually makes phone calls. So, and isn't that interesting? So just on that, it's funny because I was at a new year's Eve party with, with a millennial and he's like, we don't pick up the phone, you know? And I think that that's a very dangerous thing to get into the mindset that every single person's like that because I know someone else who's exactly the same age and I'll send him one message on messenger and he'll just pick up the phone. He'll be like, no, I want to actually talk to you. And we'll, you know, we'll have a a 15 minute phone call and find out what each other's doing. So definitely people love to, to, you know, there are some people that don't like to talk on the phone, but there, I would say probably more people that do actually appreciate a phone call. It's kind of like, we used to hate getting letters in the mail, but now we don't get them anymore. How exciting is it to get a letter? <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah, beautiful. So I love that you've talked about just connecting with people for the sake of connecting because that's what life used to be like. I think more so than now that a lot of people can get very caught up in what is it that I, that I want or, you know, this is what I'm trying to manufacture rather than just organically seeing what happens. And I think it's really important to note, and, and you did say it, but I'm going to, you know, paraphrase in a different way that you never ever know where some absolute value or some really, some goals going to come from. It might not be through the person you're speaking to, but it might be through a connection, through a connection and something amazing will happen. And when you trace it back, you think, wow, that was just a, you know, how are your phone call, you know, six months ago and this huge opportunity wouldn't have happened. So I think it's really, really important. How often do you suggest your clients touch base with the network that they already have? Do you have a time frame of people checking in? Well, I think of this in a few different ways. One is, you know, there's different tiers of your network. There's the people that you're in touch with on a regular basis because they are your closest friends that you actively see. They're your current or most recent clients or prospective, your, you know, hot prospect clients that you're really nurturing. They're your mentors. They're your mentees. They're the people that you think of on a regular, you know, monthly, if not more frequent basis. And then there's like the second and third tiers out. And I think the hardest people to track are probably that third tier out because for me, that's the person you meet once and they are not yet a connection in a real substantial mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You met at a conference. You had a nice conversation. You exchanged business cards. You wrote it to their quick email or did a LinkedIn connection. So I think that about two weeks to a month after a major event, I would suggest going back through all the emails that you'd sent and see whether you can rekindle any of those connections. Whether right. you actually, I mean, partly, do you, after looking at it again, do you think that that's a priority? Do, do you want to do that because if you look at it twice in a month six weeks and you don't reach out then let that go don't feel like you didn't follow through because you made a decision to not Mm -hmm. but there's the goal that you were talking about is there and so maybe you met 30 people you'd send four actual emails and everyone else got a linkedin request maybe one of those four people ends up being someone that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I remembered that I want to reach back out to Sam. And then you go and you do that. I think that we miss opportunities when we meet a lot of people and we don't treat them as individuals. We treat Mm -hmm. them as everyone gets a LinkedIn or everyone gets an email, but there's going to be a few that deserve to have a Zoom call scheduled. And then the in-between, the second tier is, for me, that's the people who you're in an online community with or the past colleagues, the people that know you pretty well, but you have to go out of your way to really nurture the relationship. So I'm part of several online communities. I actively invite people to hop on a Zoom call with me. I host free masterclasses and I encourage my email list and the people I know online to come to these classes. It's another way of engaging and giving back. Similarly, like reaching back out to former colleagues and past clients. I always think it's fun for past clients to actually call up uh, someone I spoke for and say, you know, months and months later, even a year later and say, you know, hey, what's still resonating from my talk? Like, what are people talking about from that? And I've heard stories where, you know, we were talking about croissants versus bagels earlier. People told me like year, a year or two later that new staff members have joined, never saw my, my speech, but they're walking up to people and saying, hey, hey, stop bageling. 
<laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and so like, that's how you know you have a sticky concept when yeah. the people that you spoke to are so jazzed by it that, that the language has been adopted by the culture of the organization and new people are being brought into that culture with that idea. So those are fun conversations because it, it, it doesn't lead necessarily to business each time, but it's a nice catch up. It reminds them who I am. It shows yes. that I care about the longevity of that relationship. Sometimes it leads to them saying like, oh, you know, here's who you might reach out to. Or I might say, I'm looking to speak to more organizations like this or this. Do you know anyone here, 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 here? What do you think? Do you think it would be a good fit? Do you think my message would resonate? Would you make an introduction? Like sometimes that's been really wonderful. Sometimes I don't even ask that. I just allow it to be a follow-up check-in. That's probably the thing I wish I did more of, to be honest, because it's something that I have to schedule in order to really think to do it. But it wouldn't take very much effort. After you get done with a speech, you literally just put it on your calendar six months out, a year out. And I think that that's really important too, because what we need to remember is, you know, if we put ourselves in the position of the person on the other side, everyone is so busy. It's not that we're ignoring you. It's just that maybe we've forgotten that we even met you, right? And to have someone reach out and go, oh, you know, thanks for reaching out. And you know what? I've just remembered that someone asked me yesterday if I can recommend someone. And of course, like you're the perfect person and I'd, I'd forgotten about you. So just, ha- you know, showing up and reminding people, Hey, I'm here. I exist. How can I help? Yeah. And I think some people overthink this and they worry about having to send a mailing out or a big to do and they make it almost too difficult. And I would say identify a small list of people, maybe start with 12 up to 25 initially. And those are the people that you're going to like be mindful of. And maybe it's 12 for this quarter and it's a different 12 for next quarter. And you, you decide who you want to sort of bring along throughout the year, who you want to just touch base with. Um, John Corcoran, um, who former White House speechwriter, lawyer, he hosts a podcast. He's is an all around great business guy. He does what he calls a 50 conversations list where he makes a list of 50 people that he wants to stay in touch with. And he has a little planner that he's designed. So every single day he writes down one name from that list and he does something. He like stops and thinks about them. And then he does take some action, does some sort of touch point. So I think that kind of thing can be really helpful. I was listening to a podcast with Todd Herman a few weeks back, and he was saying that he actually writes a letter every single day to someone. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. And he's written not just to people within his network, but also people that you wouldn't expect to hear back from. And he's, he's had letters back from people in the White House, I think a president, one of the presidents, quite amazing people, just because you don't expect to open up your letterbox and have like real hard copy mail. And I thought that was brilliant. Actually, Chandler Bolt, who founded self-publishing school when he was in his early 20s, did that exact thing. He spent a year writing a letter every single day. And he said that some of the most amazing outcomes, you know, people were mailing him books to read offering to like hop on a call and like give him some advice. And so he accelerated his business plan tremendously by just being thoughtful and nurturing the people Mm. that he looked up to because they don't know that you look up to them. I I will also just say that anybody who creates content, you and I, right? We're content creators as hosts of podcasts, as authors. If someone reaches out to you and and with some specificity, this is important, Uh with some detail, thanks you, and says, because you wrote this particular thing, I'm now doing this particular thing differently. Yeah. That is the 
best compliment ever. And it, it, it gets you going and it, it, it gets you back to the writing. It gets you back to putting your podcast out there. And I just think a lot of my clients are like, they, they resist that initially. And then they discover this receptivity and that they start thinking, oh my gosh, I have a whole bookshelf full of people that I look up to. Why don't I reach out to them? Yeah. And so it doesn't always have to be people that are like past parts of your life. It could also be who has been inspiration to you. How could you let them know that in a way that like feels very genuine and then don't make an ask. In fact, mm. one of the best tips I've heard is to not, uh, Selena Sue uh, is the one who I heard this from just write in the message, no reply needed. And wow. honestly, every time I've written no reply needed, I've gotten a quick thank you. Wow. That's <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> That's incredible. That's so cool. Now, I know that you've just written a new book. It hasn't been released yet, but it's done and dusted and you've put the hard yards in and the blood, sweat and tears. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what it's about and... Um, yeah, the main concepts. Well, thank you so much for that. And I actually haven't really talked about it much on, on the air. So this is kind of exciting. I have had the good fortune after my book was launched a year and a half ago, of working with all these entrepreneurial women. And it's funny because my one-on-one clients are people of all genders, but these groups that I formed are uh, three or four women together going through a cohort model of a six-month program. Phenomenal, phenomenal women. It's like so exciting to support them. And so as I was thinking about the second book, I had an entirely different topic in mind until I thought, well, if I'm so clear on who my ideal client is, which I wasn't for a long time. So I have a whole journey that I had had to figure that out. And then now I'm teaching it. Why am I not writing a book that really speaks to them, that serves them? And so the book title right now is Your Relationship-Based Business Plan. And it's about achieving greater impact and income. Now, mm-hmm. my clients have made money. It's not like they don't want to make money. They, have, they definitely want to make money, but they know how to make money. They want to have impact. Yes. And so that's kind of what I'm speaking to. So I'm walking them through some of the steps for how to go from having that you know, speaking or coaching or consulting career or being a corporate or nonprofit employee who has a side hustle dream and then figuring out, well, how do I go from brilliant business idea, discovering your ideal client, building your avatar, testing out a minimally viable product and scaling from there. Mm -hmm. And a big piece of it is about relationships Mm -hmm. because I don't believe that you should just design something, even your perfect business plan, in your quiet little basement and then burst out onto the marketplace hoping people will buy from you. I think people make that mistake over and over again. So this is about how to engage with those that that already see you as a resource. So even the writing of the book, I've had several free masterclasses about the content of the book as I was writing it. And like, like I had literally just outlined the book and I got on, I said, okay, here's the first half. And I just talked about it and got people's immediate feedback So when I go to launch the book, there's a community of people that have been part of that journey that are going to help me amplify it. They're going to be the first to read it and buy it and leave reviews for it. My first book, I had 100 reviews on my launch day. You know, I had 150 worldwide a week later. I think this might even pass that because there are more people waiting for it to come out. So it's something that I expect to come out summer of this year. I always forget, right, how long these things take. Yeah, Um, don't they just. But the process of writing it, I have been 
testing it as, as you would a minimally viable product, like really engaging my ideal readers around the content and letting them influence it so that in the end, it's a better product. I've built an audience for it and I'm giving them the tools that they absolutely need. The biggest takeaway I took from that is that so many people have an idea and they hold it close. Like I can't share this because someone might steal it or someone might copy it. Instead of getting out there and sharing it and using the feedback from the marketplace and creating people that are going to champion you to actually spread that message even further than you can on your own. That is absolutely genius. If anyone is listening, it takes anything from this, which there's already been just value bomb after value bomb. I think that's such an important piece there. And you've just inspired me because I, like I said to you before we started recording, I had a little bit of writer's block. You've just inspired me to run a webinar to knock out this, the second half of this book. That's been basically my plan. So in the process of writing this book, I discovered this, this sort of framework or model of discovering your ideal client because so many people were talking about the sweet spot of, you know, you have expertise, you have passion and you have the ability to, you know, make income and have an impact. And they would say that the thing, the overlapping Venn diagram is about your sweet spot. And I kept thinking that doesn't fit for me. It doesn't sit right because that's about me. And if it's about me, that I'm not serving other people. So I really thought about it from a different angle, which is who already comes to you for advice, support, and services. And then you judge that. You, you look at that and you think, okay, do I have the expertise you're looking for? Yes. Is it something I'm passionate about and would speak about for free? Absolutely. Okay, well, could I actually help them? That's the impact question. And then really the, the other part of that impact is about income. Do they see the value of what I'm offering and will they pay for it? That is your ideal client. Someone who comes to you for something you have expertise on, you're passionate about, you know you can help them and they value what you're doing enough to pay you. But a lot of times we have pitfalls. We are offering our expertise around a topic that we know a lot about, but we have no passion for. This is usually the job we used to have. And someone says, do you still know how to do X, Y, Z? And we're like, yeah. And you're like, oh, great, I'll pay you. And you're like, great. (laughs) So that's... (laughs) That's burnout. Like if too yeah. many of your clients, if you're trying to shift and people keep, you know, you keep saying yes to the money, it drains you. It doesn't inspire you and you can't actually build the next thing. This is something a lot of people fall into. Another pitfall is if they come to you for something you don't have a lot of expertise in, but you're very passionate about learning it. Yes. And if it's, if it's a direction that you want your business to grow and they're willing to pay you, then that's great because you're going to get paid to learn. Mm-hmm. But it's still an opportunity cost because the effort to make that client happy is going to take a lot more effort because you actually are learning. And your focus as well from what's already working, right? Yeah. And so unfortunately, I think a lot of people end up saying yes to that even when it's not where they want their business to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And so they fall into that trap of, okay, someone's willing to pay me to be a social media consultant because I like to dabble in Facebook ads and suddenly I'm in charge of someone's like, you know, marketing campaign and you're like, what? I'm way over my head. The (laughs) last, the last pitfall is the hobby. And that's where someone comes to you for your experience, something you're really passionate about, but you never think to charge them and they never think to pay you. Now, the good news is that while that's a, that's a pitfall of being a hobby, it's also your best prospects because that's where you could test out 
a minimally viable product. And by a minimally viable product, I mean you don't spend thousands of dollars you know, recording beautiful video yeah. without testing any of the content. You actually, maybe you host five Zoom calls <laughs> with a community of people who have paid a few hundred dollars to see whether they respond to the material. And then from that point on, you build it. So I, I just think that could be a great prospect and that might actually open you up to an entirely new revenue stream that you hadn't even thought of yeah. because we all have adjacent expertise. So I now do a lot of coaching for my clients around book launches and how to host a podcast yeah. because I have expertise in that. Yes. I'm not solely focused on that. I don't want to become known as a book launch coach, but in the context of a business, these are two things that my clients really need to know about. And because I have that adjacent expertise, I'm the right you know, relationship-based business coach for them. Yeah, perfect. And you already have it. You've created that relationship, which circles back beautifully to how exactly how we started this show. It's about building relationships, not just people that we know. Now, I believe that you've got a free gift for the listeners that are thinking, this sounds fantastic. I want to know more. So why don't you share what, you, what you've got for them? Sure. I would love to share with your listeners. It's 10 tips for conference connections. My book's great. It's not a long read, but this is really stripped down a three-page PDF. You could pull this up in your phone and kind of read through it while you're on the elevator on the way into an event, just to kind of remind yourself, you know, where to be in the room, how to do the approach, why are you there, all those things. So you can find that at robbysamuels.com forward slash lab. So L-A-B, so robbysamuels.com forward slash lab. You'll find that. And then also, if you do decide that my book sounds interesting and you go to my website and you, you get it through there, I have a ton of free content related to the book. Even if you don't buy the book, check out that link and you'll see it's croissantsvsbagels.com. Perfect. Uh, and, you know, go on to Robbie's website, have a look at what he does. I know I saw all your social media links are there and you've also got a podcast on the Schmooze podcast, which I've had a listen to and that's fantastic too. So all of that will be linked up in the show notes so you can connect with Robbie. For us to call this episode complete, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Because we've talked about so much stuff. I think I want to leave them with the belief that they have value. That I think, you know, the question is, what's holding you back from sharing your brilliance with the world? And really, if you can get in touch with whatever is holding you back, all the other problems that you have in front of you, all the obstacles are going to fade away once you become clear that you deserve to be out there and be paid the value that you offer. You are doing the brilliance that you deserve to be doing in the world and just stop putting barriers up and go and do the work. Amen to that. Absolutely. Go shine in your brilliance. Thank you, Robbie, so much for everything that you shared with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the Business Lab. Thank you so much. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.